Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cody's Car Conundrum. I'm your host, Cody Wagner. No duh, right? Here we discuss everything from car news, culture, movies, stories, games, interviews, events, and so much more. Without further delay, on with the show. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's new car special. Today, we have sacrilege. <laughs> Today, we are delving into sacrilege. And I don't say that lightly. I really don't. But this car... This car definitely suits that description. I'm talking about the new 2024 Lotus SUV called the Eletre, I think it is. E-L-E-T-R-E. Elytre? Elytre? Some, something, some weird name. It's a Cayenne-sized SUV with 600-plus horsepower. Let's get into this treason. The 2024 Elytre forces you to rethink everything you knew about Lotus, if you knew anything about it at all. This all-electric SUV, and not the Cayman-rivaling Amira, the Avisia hypercar or the upcoming small EV sports car being developed with Alpine. I, what? Oh, wait, no, that was Catrim. Never mind. Is the, product that, is the product that most accurately points to where Lotus is going and is a linchpin in Geely's plan to turn a fringe car maker, almost unknown outside of the enthusiast community, into Britain's answer to Porsche. I like that because Lotus really should be that. Except they probably won't be on the luxury front, but whatever. Now, technically, the Electri is just one of three lifestyle EVs Lotus will reveal over the next few years, so it won't be working alone. The flagship SUV, previously codenamed Type 132, should cost from around $100,000 and go on sale in the UK, China, and Europe in 2023, with US sales probably falling into 2024. But the new pure EV platform that underpins it can be scaled in size, enabling Lotus to spin off other electric sedans and SUVs with lower price points. If a bunch of electric family cars for rich folk doesn't sound very Lotus-y to you, don't worry. The company responsible for legends like the Elisa Land and Esprit has no plans to abandon the sports car market. But that market is shrinking, while the SUV one is growing. And Lotus desperately needs to move into more practical products if it is going to continue to grow or even just survive. You know what? They're right about that. They're definitely in a Porsche situation. And besides, the lion's share of Porsche sales now consists of SUVs, and it managed to make that shift without losing any credibility with car enthusiasts. So why shouldn't Lotus? See? Besides riffing on the car's electric powertrain, the Electri name is apparently a Hungarian one, meaning coming to life, and represents the rebirth of Lotus. Parent company Geely has high hopes for Lotus, and this SUV will provide the firm founded by Colin Chapman more than 70 years ago with several firsts. To start, it's the first Lotus to be built in China at a new Wuhan plant. Although future sports cars will continue to be produced from Lotus's spiritual home in Heathel, England. So a new plant in Wuhan. I really hope we don't get another outburst, <laughs> another outburst from a Lotus plant, right? That would be that would be extremely bad. That aside. And while it's not the first four-seat Lotus, ignoring the Lotus Badge Ford Cortina of the 60s, the 70s, Type 75 Elite. Oh, sorry, ignoring the Lotus Badge Ford Cortina, Ford Cortina of the 1960s. The 1970s Type 75 Elite got there first. It is the first four-door Lotus that isn't a modified version of an existing car like the 1990s Lotus Carlton, which was originally based on the Vauxhall Carlton, Carlton, if you didn't know. This is a huge machine by Lotus standards, and actually 7.1 inches or 179 millimeters longer, but 2.6 inches or 66 millimeters lower than the Porsche Cayenne it's gunning for. It measures 201 inches or 5,105 millimeters bumper to bumper, 118.9 inches or 3,019 millimeters between the wheels, and 64.2 inches or 1,630 millimeters tall. And if just that sounds like numerical gibberish, gibberish, just know that the 
Elytree, again, I'm going to keep butchering that name, is big enough to be imposing, but with proportions that tell you it's a sporty crossover in the mold of the Ferrari Puro Sogne, not an upright SUV, or so they hope. The short hood, cab forward stance made possible by the EV architecture is a subtle hint that the carbon fiber and aluminum Elytree is different to commonly seen V8-powered luxury SUVs, but there are definitely shades of the more expensive Lamborghini Urus about the styling and also of recent Lotus sports cars. You get the same uptick in the rear window line near the C-pillar that you do in the Amira, or Amira, sorry, and air is pushed through holes in the bodywork at the front side and rear much like in, the, much like in its Avisia big brother. Talking of airflow, one of the most important design features is the spoiler at the rear of the roof, which is split into two wing-like halves to allow the, the Elytree's pop-up roof-mounted LiDAR sensor to get a clear view of the road behind when you've activated its autonomous tech. So, you know how the Gen 5 Viper TA has those fang-like dual-element, uh, for lack of a better word, splitters at the bottom of its fascia? Imagine that, but at the rear of an SUV and on the roof. That's kind of what they've done here. Other modern gadgetry we're not used to seeing on a Lotus include camera-based door mirrors, that is very interesting, standard air suspension, and the optionally available rear axle steering, active anti-roll bars, and active limited slip differential. Plus, obviously, the electric, the electric drivetrain itself. The platform is a brand new architecture exclusive to Lotus, with 800-volt charging capability that promises a full charge in 18 minutes. Lotus hasn't revealed full details about the dual motor propulsion system, but claims a battery will be bigger than 100 kilowatt, will be bigger than 100 kilowatt hours, and should deliver around 373 miles or 600 kilometers of electric driving, plus the ability to add 248 miles or 400 kilometers of range in 20 minutes when hooked up to a 350 kilowatt charger. Power figures are also a little vague at this point, but Lotus says the Elytree will start with 592 horsepower, or 600 PS, be capable of 0 to 62 miles per hour, or 100 kilometers per hour, in less than 3 seconds, and top out at 160 miles per hour, or 257 kilometers per hour. So, as far as the top speed goes, what that does mean is that this will be significantly slower than the new Aston Martin DBX 707, as far as top speed goes. Bit of a shame, but you know what, if it outhandles, because Lotus is all about handling, if it outhandles the DBX 7, 707, then you know what, I'm good with that. But it also says the SUV will be available with two more power outputs, and we understand the punchiest of those will deliver around 690 horsepower, or 700 PS. One thing it doesn't say is how much the Elytri weighs, or Elytri, sorry. But we can be sure it won't be challenging the old Elise in any scale, in any scale showdowns. This being a Lotus, we'd expect it to be lighter than the class average, but the realities of building a battery-powered car of this size means it'll be a surprise if the curb weight comes in much below 5,000 pounds, or 2,268 kilograms. Equally surprising for anyone who hasn't seen the, who hasn't seen the interior of the new Amira sports car is the quality of the interior. We had access to an, to an Elytree and a chance to sit inside, and while we should point out that the car we saw and the ones you see in these pictures are essentially mock-ups of the 2024 production car, they tell us enough to know that the finished article won't disappoint anyone shopping for a luxury SUV two years from now. Having popped the door locks with the key fob and watched a little startup flourish going on at the front involving the grill of breathing and lights dancing, you grab one of the door handles that has now risen from the door skin and climb inside to be met by a surprisingly bright, airy cabin whose, door, whose dashboard top panel is split, echoing the design of the rear spoiler. There's a fashionable, non-circular steering wheel. Fashionable... Fashionable to them, kind of annoying to me, but whatever. 
Door-mounted rear-view screens for the camera-based side mirrors and the materials, including sustainable textiles and a fantastic carbon trim made, made from recycled fibers, give a fresh, modern vibe. You still get a traditional raised console separating driver and passenger, but because there's no transmission hardware underneath, the lower space can be used to store small bags, phones, and wallets. Pride of place on the dash goes to a large, landscape-oriented tablet display that pivots from its base to rise up and greet you. That's kind of cool. Though that obviously adds weight, so <laughs> that's kind of a, that's a little anti-Lotus if you think about it, but whatever. That's augmented by two further digital strip displays, one ahead of the driver, another in front of the passenger. It looks and feels like the kind of thing Tesla might do if it hired some Scandi interior designers to inject some warmth into its interiors. The car we saw was configured with a four-seat layout, but a five-seat format will also be available. Whichever one you go for, passenger space should be ample from what we experienced sitting inside the Ella tree. But the quoted luggage space, 14.1 cubic feet or 400 liters in the rear plus 2.7 cubic feet or 77 liters of trunk room is no match for the 17.7 cubic feet or 500 liters of a Porsche Cayenne Coupe e-hybrid, let alone the 22.1 cubic feet or 625 liters of a plain ICE Cayenne Coupe. And with its third row of seats, a feature neither the Porsche or Lotus offers folded flat, the Tesla Model X is bigger again. But the lack of rear gullwing doors aside, the Ella tree has far more presence than the Model X, and it looks much fresher than the Cayenne, which currently has no EV derivative, and it's unlikely to get one until much later in the decade. And while buyers might be unfamiliar with the Lotus brand, there's a huge back catalog of motorsport achievements, technical innovations, and great driver's cars that will help the company's marketing team sell the brand to a new audience. Plus, while Lotus might not have, a, might not have sold SUVs under its own name before, it's developed plenty of other... It's developed plenty for other clients, so this is an entirely new territory. However, that won't stop some fans from being outraged at Lotus's new direction, and the Ella Tree is just the start of it. Around a year after the 2023 introduction of the flagship SUV seen here, Lotus will introduce a four-door coupe EV to take on the Porsche Taycan and Tesla Model S. That car is currently codenamed the Type 133, though we don't, though we don't doubt it will be given a name that starts with an E, as will the Type 134 Porsche or Type 134. Porsche mechanic competitor that follows mid-decade. Then, around 2026, we'll get a small electric sports car that will also spawn a new two-seat Alpine EV. Our feeling is that we'd rather see Lotus building cool electric SUVs than go out of business trying to sell only sports cars to a world increasingly uninterested in them, especially if it means the brand then has the cash to keep building those sports cars for those of us who do care. Would you buy the Lotus Ella Tree over a Porsche Cayenne or Tesla Model X, or do you think Lotus should stick to sports cars? Leave a comment and let us know. So let me, okay, here we go. So here's some photos that I can look at, and with all the hard stats out of the way, tell you my subjective opinion about the way it looks. So all in all, I kind of, I pretty much have a very simple opinion on this thing. It looks too much like a Lincoln Co. product, visually, from the exterior. It looks like it could be something like a Lincoln Co. 07. Now, that's not to say that I'm insinuating that it looks too Chinese. I'm not. Well, well, I might actually be saying that. <laughs> I might actually be saying that. Yeah, it does look like it's been heavily influenced. And that's not saying that Chinese design is bad. It's not. I don't mind a lot of Lincoln Co.'s products. My thing is it just doesn't look. It looks like even this looks like a big departure from things like the Avisia and the Amira. That's kind of my thing, is it looks, even relative to those cars, which is a bit of a departure from the Evora and the Elise, this looks like a departure from even the modern Lotuses still. 
And again, it, it looks too much like a Lincoln Co. product. It looks like it could be a Lincoln Co. 06 or 07, right? Whatever, whatever they name an SUV, this looks like it could be that. And that's kind of my problem is it's, it's too Lincoln Co. and not enough Lotus. Having said that, Lotus does not really have a defined brand, does not have a defined design language as such. So them going, them differentiating the Ella Tree from the other models is not necessarily, isn't necessarily a bad thing on that basis that they don't have a solidified design language. But yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't seem extremely Lotus to me. It doesn't seem particularly British, perhaps. So I don't hate the way it looks like. As a Lincoln Co. product, it would actually be really cool. It would look pretty good. As a Lotus, I'm not I'm not sold on it being a Lotus. Not sold on it being a Lotus. But uh, I give it uh, 6.7, maybe 6.8. It's very futuristic looking, kind of funky looking. And on that, on that front, it's pretty cool. I, I might say it's almost... I don't want to say pod looking, but it's almost too futuristic. Almost. It almost tiptoes that line, but... Not quite. Now, the one thing I do hate if we go to the back is that it has another god dang paint.net horizontal bar for the taillight signature. It's so boring. Like, come on. How many brands have to do this? Now, I do think you'll be able to tell down the road because it kind of the the back end's not flat on this thing, so the bar kind of wraps around a little bit. And if your vision's good, you should be able to see the massive exhauster ports on the rear end kind of like a gen 2 or 5 viper kind of like that or maybe like a uh, gt3r it's got it's almost got like a cam tail arrangement right with with exhauster ports uh, likely to vent air out of the rear, rear rear wheel well so again if it's not too dark you'll be able to see that and it does look the rest of the rear end does look fairly distinctive but why do we have so many horizontal bars why do we got this uh, if any of you know X-Men, you know Cyclops, but not not from the movies, from the cartoons where he, has, where he has that wraparound glass and it's just red, or wraparound pair of glasses and it's just red. That's what everyone seems to be doing these days, and it's so annoying because it's the only thing anyone's ever doing. Another thing I don't really like about the rear end on this thing is how small the rear window is. It kind of looks like it would be a porthole, I'm not going to lie. The... Let's just say the belt line for the back is really high. That rear window is extremely small. That is definitely going to impede on visibility. And not by a, not to a small degree either. It is, gonna, it is going to impede quite significantly. If we go to the face, again, total Lincoln Co. product. Uh, we have these kind of L-shaped lights, L-shaped headlights. So the, the long part. So if you take an L... And then turn it to the left about 90 degrees. So that long part is facing the bottom. That makes up, I would say, the majority of the headlight. And then once, but it's slim, right? And then the headlight, once it gets to the bottom part of the L, it opens up quite a bit. So almost again, almost like a hockey stick kind of arrangement. Really thin handle, and then it flares out at the bottom. That's what these headlights do. Horizontally oriented. They're thin. They're very thin. Ooh, at what part? For the part closest to the badge going out towards the fender, again, very thin. And then once it, then once the headlight gets to the fender, again, flares out quite a bit and it gets pretty big. Not bad looking, but again, that looks textbook Lincoln Co. styling for sure. And then what's interesting is that the Lotus here for the Ella Tree has done a neat head. They've pulled a Nissan Juke where the top headlights, they're kind of just small 
auxiliary headlights, and then the actual headlight is actually inside the grille and below. Very Nissan Juke 2014 Jeep uh, Jeep Cherokee type of design, and that and that you know auxiliary headlight like DRL headlight up top, and then actual headlights on the bottom. Again, Lincoln Co. That's that's been their design language. That is their design language on the 04 and quite a few other vehicles. So. That's the biggest. Re- that's one of the biggest reasons why I say this looks like a Lincoln Co. product, much less a Lotus product, or it looks mo- much more like a Lotus product and far or Lincoln Co. product and far less like a Lotus product. As far as the wheels go, I like the design. They are directional wheels, and what that means is they're kind of set in motion, so they're angled, so that when you when you go forward, it looks like they're almost cutting through the air, dicing it up. Those are called directional wheels. I like them a lot. I like them a lot. Once again, kind of Lincoln Co-ish, but that's fine. Massive Lotus, Lotus text on the brake caliper. Not that, not that interesting of a font, sadly, but I think it is the same font that Lotus has used elsewhere, so that's fine. If we move to the interior here, very futuristic. And as far as materials go, it's very luxurious. But as far as design goes, barring the materials, I'm not sure it's that luxurious. It's far more apt to say it's very minimalist extremely minimalist like this is not to me a luxurious interior in the way a porsche's interior is luxurious not from a design standpoint from a material standpoint no lotus has got it in the bag for sure love the steering wheel love the small airbag cover love the thin spokes here thin spokes are not likely to stay for the production model sadly but that'd be kind of sick if they were you have a little center band that you might see on a 911 gt3 rs or a viper acr but it's a thin center band at the top of the steering wheel so i like that I like that quite a lot. Yeah, I real I love all the touches here. It's like, it's like all, a lot of the inserts, a lot of the metal inserts were milled from aluminum and titanium, and maybe a little bit of, ooh, I don't know, bronze or maybe bronzed aluminum. It's really, really good looking. I like it a lot. Very again, very luxurious looking from a material standpoint for sure. Some and you know what? Some aspects of the interior, as far as the design goes, yeah. But the dash, the dash. Not that much to me. It's too Tesla. You know, no no gauge cluster, just a screen in the center, right? That's not very luxurious to me. That's just boring and minimalist. But it is what it is. If we go to the back here, we have a very S-class-like screen on the central armrest, which is quite cool. Now, this is very luxurious looking to me. Seats are less luxurious and more sporty, but the material adds the luxury back in, which is fine. Uh, yeah, the stitching though, the stitching is so luxurious, luxurious looking, actually, so they do actually, so there is a gauge cluster, there is genuinely a gauge cluster here in the tree. it's just hard to see in some of the press photos anyway, because it's a very thin, thin little slip, you know how, you know how Mercedes has the two, has the two horizontally oriented touch screen, or not touch screen, uh, but screens, Kind of connected in the middle, so it looks like a uh, a skateboard. Imagine that, but set into the dash, into the dashboard itself, and then separated from the infotainment screen. And you've got a pretty good idea of what Lotus have of what Lotus has done here with the Ella tree. It's a similar Mercedes like horizontal, very wide touch screen, except it's not connected to the it's not connected to the central infotainment, and it's more like a normal gauge cluster where it's set into the dash. You know how with the Ferrari 812 Superfast or maybe the GTC4 Lusso on the passenger side, you have the rev counter that passengers can laugh at? Lotus has done that on the driver's side. That's the gauge cluster. 
So kind of small, meh. Like I said, not, not that big a fan of that. So interior, I'm going to give a seven. The materials are gorgeous. Does it look very luxurious? A few touches here and there, but overall, eh, I'm, I think it's too minimalist. Overall, I think I'm going to give the car a, a 7.1. I don't think it, from the exterior, I don't think it looks enough like a Lotus. From the interior, I don't think it looks, from a styling standpoint, styling, excluding the materials, from a styling standpoint, I don't think it looks luxurious enough. But if you take those things aside, the materials, the design itself, the materials of the interior, the styling of the interior, ignoring the luxury aspect of it, and then the exterior, ignoring the fact that it looks like a Lincoln Co. product, it's actually a relatively attractive looking, very distinct looking at the very least SUV. And for that, I give it props. And honestly, and honestly, it doesn't, for a Lotus SUV, it could be, it could be a lot worse. It could be significantly worse. I honestly think this looks better than the Ferrari Puro Sogna. That's for darn sure. So yeah, 7.1. Not bad, Lotus. Not bad for your first venture into the SUV space. Although I'll have to see what I really think it looks like if I ever get to look at one in the flesh. In any case, so what do you guys think of the new Lotus Elytree? Do you like it? Do you hate it? Somewhere in between? Do you agree with me on a few things? Do you disagree with me on a few things? Let me know in the comments below. In any case, though, if you enjoyed it, and I hope you did, please make sure to like the episode, share the episode, and follow the podcast. If you watch it on YouTube, Please like, comment, share, and consider subscribing. And if you do subscribe, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Please make sure you hit the little notification bell. And then all notifications that we're notified every time I upload. Uh, I think I haven't done this part yet. If you don't if you don't want to listen to this podcast on the road, but you don't ever want the pod be mobile app, hey, not a problem. Boot up wherever you listen to your podcast, type in Cody's Car Conundrum, and then choose the episode you want to listen to. I will see you all next time. You've just listened to me. Probably ramble about some cars, if I'm being honest. If you've enjoyed me passionately talking about lumps of metal on wheels, then why don't you follow me on Twitter at Cody Carr, C-O-N-U-N-D-R-M, or check out my website, www.codyscarconundrum.com, for articles and other car-related content. If you have any questions or would like to become a sponsor, send an email to drtaffy777 at gmail.com and put sponsor in the subject line. Make sure to follow me here or any other platform so you don't miss out on more full throttle content. Thanks for listening. I'll see you all in the next episode.